November 24th, 2023. We're in Masechet Bava Kama Andaf Vava Amud Aleph at the very top of the Amud. The last word on the line, Hasad Hashaveh Shebahin. This was, of course, the words at the end of the Mishnah. The Mishnah listed the Arba'a Avot Nezikin, the four primary categories of damages. And then the Mishnah explained how one can't be compared to the other. And using even two of them, Shor and Mav'eh, together would be difficult, if not impossible, to prove other avot, which were in the Mishnah, from them. But the concluding lines of the Mishnah were, Hatzad HaShavesh Bahim, the common denominator of all the avot nizikin, was and is, well, first and foremost, Shiddarkan Hazik. It's normal, it's typical of these avot to go about, or to bring forth damage, rather. Uh, furthermore, um, said the Mishnah, Shmiratana Alecha, you have responsibility, you have obligation to safeguard them. And lastly, Keshihizik, Hav Hamazik Lishalim, Tashtumenezik, Bemetav Haaretz, when they were, if they are, to damage, you have to pay from highest value land if you're paying with land. Now, those final words in the Mishnah are not just there in order to build a similarity. Uh, they're not just there in order to educate us. If you look at these four, you'll understand that they're similar one to the other in this respect. They're furthermore and more significantly there in order for us to derive law from it. We built alachot based on noticing commonalities in halacha, which means to say, if these four avot have those similar character traits, it would mean that other circumstances of nezik, of damage, might as well be included in obligation to pay based on they as well having similar features. What I mean by that is, if I were to tell you, well, look at A, B, and C, and notice that they all have these common traits, and as a result, they are obligated to pay, you'll then say, if I could find other circumstances which have similar attributes and characteristics, they too would be obligated to pay. Well, what would we be referring to then? The Mishnah gave us four. We had in the Beraita 13, we had 24 in the other Beraita. Is there something which isn't explicit in the Torah, which by finely reading and sensitively deciphering our Avot Nezikin, we can piece them together and make a Binyan Av Ketubim. We can logically deduce that other circumstances are hayav, or obligated to pay, to compensate in circumstances of damages or not. Obviously, if the Mishnah finishes with those words, the common denominator is that they're your property and it's responsibility to safeguard them, and when you damage, you have to pay, there's gonna be other things that are similar. They won't be identical. If it's identical, it falls under one of the four. Shor, bor, But, if in some way or fashion, and that's what we're going to talk about now in the Gemara, we can piece together and say, well, I see this in that one, and I see something else, and I can use these, match them together to derive another law, well, that must be what the Mishnah is doing. If I'm confusing you, give the Gemara a moment or two to explain itself. Says the Gemara, le'atuye mai. Le'atuye means to include. These words, this concept that the avot nezikin have a certain commonality, they have common ground that they stand on, is coming to include what? What else would be hayav l'shalem, is obligated to pay, to compensate in circumstances of damage, uh, that's not mentioned, that would be learned logically, again, binyanav, from two or more of the avot nezikin. Amar abaye la'atuye, abaye suggests it's coming to include avno sakino umasao shehnihan berosh gago venafelu beruach mesuya veheziku. Abaye's suggestion is the circumstance situation which was not listed, which is not explicit in the Torah, but can nonetheless, should nonetheless be derived as a 
responsible situation where you would have to pay, you'd have to compensate for the damage that you caused, is in the following circumstance. You left a rock, a knife, or some sort of bundle at the top of a roof. And by leaving it there, well, it wasn't a damaging circumstance in initially. It's at the top of the roof. Who's going to be damaged? Who's going to be hurt by that? But then they fell down. Ruach Mesuya means a common, normal wind. It's a wind that you should have known would be coming. It's not a uh, hurricane gust. It's not a nor'eastern wind. It's a wind. It's a regular wind. It's a regular wind that on a normal day you'd expect. They fall and he ziku, and they then damage. In such a circumstance, the suggestion of Abaye, for one reason or another, is that would need to be derived from our Mishnah looking at the Avot Nezikin and saying, well, I see a certain commonality. This would also be obligated. That says the Gemara, first things first. First, define for us the case, because I have two options with regards to your description, and then let's deal with the details. First and foremost, define for us the case. When you describe to us Abayed, leaving those items at the top of your roof and them causing damage, what's the circumstance precisely? Is it that they cause damage as they fell? As they're in the air, the wind comes, blows them down, and they fall onto something. Through the act of falling in the wind, they damage. That's one option. Alternatively, it's that they fell to the ground, and then someone stumbled upon them. Someone tripped to something, tripped upon them. Maybe that's the case. What's the exact case? Give it a second. Give it a second. Good question. Wouldn't the first case be Ish? That's exactly the point in the Gemara. It says the Gemara, Hechidame. Hechidame, four lines from the top. What's exactly the case? Be more precise, Abaye. You're telling me that for some reason this is not just Ish. It's not just Bor. It's not, well, what is it? Tell me the case and we'll try to understand why in our Mishnah we need to derive this from matching and understanding a commonality between the Avot to understand that this is liable for compensation as well. I de means at the time of, azle means going. If it's as they're going, in other words, as it's traveling in the air, they damage, that is exactly the case of ish. So the case of ish, which is fire, happens to be fire, which is its own circumstance. Why is that any different than this? Don't be so concrete and say that it's only fire. It's something which is being carried by the wind, which damages in the act of being carried by the wind. Why would you argue that ish, fire, is different in its being? literally means another force, and we refer to in that with that air to air to wind. The wind is what carries the fire which in turn damages, and it in turn has your responsibility to safeguard it, so to these, meaning the possessions which you left at the top of the roof, the only way that they're damaging, based on what we're suggesting right now, is through the effect of air. That's the other force which is moving them, and in turn, they are your responsibility to safeguard and you would be liable to pay for 
anything that they caused. Which means to say that the Gemara initially rejects Abaye through this understanding. Abaye, you suggested when the Mishnah told us Hasad Hashavashabahin, the common denominator of these Avot Nizikin was and is, and we listed in the Mishnah. Well, that obviously is there in order to teach us other cases. This initial case where it's you left your stuff at the top of the roof and they fell and they damaged through falling, that's exactly ish. It's not, I don't, need a, I don't need to use my mind and derive and understand, well, it doesn't have this and it doesn't. No, that's exact. that is ish. That's the sort well, it's not fire, it doesn't look orange and yellow, so what? Ultimately speaking, it's something which damaged through the act of air, blow, wind blowing it. Says the Gemara, that can't be what you were referring to, Abaye. Ve'ena, rather instead, batar. Batar milashon bava batra. Batar means after. Bava um, batra means the last game. Batar means after. Denayeche, that they rested. Milashon menucha, nah. Right after those items rested on the ground, meaning they didn't cause damage while falling. Rather, after they rested on the ground, something, someone came and tripped upon them. That says the Gemara, I got it. Okay, that's an interesting suggestion. We're going to have to deal with Jesse's issue now. So it's after they rested on the ground. I had on my roof in a place where there was no damage which was forthcoming. There was no damage which I could have and should have immediately in that placement foreseen. Yes, the wind I should have foreseen. Now they damage while on the ground after being blown down. Okay, that's my case. For some reason, I need to match up different avot from the Mishnah to derive. Was fell onto the and then after it fell, someone walks by, something walks over it, and gets damaged. Says the Gemara. But what's the specific? What's that? No, no, not damage the ground. Not damage the ground. Uh, an animal came and tripped on it. A person came and stabbed their foot, uh, stumped their foot on it. That's. Uh, not 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 the ground. That's ish. That is ish. You know, in other words, if I threw it, we call that kohol. You throw a rock. We saw this in Sanhedrin. We'll see the masech baba kama. Now, again, you're not exempt from it because ultimately speaking, you should have realized that the air, the wind would carry it. But it's not your force. We're not going to call it Adam Hamazik. We would call it Ish. That's what we would say. We'd say that's like Ish. If a person threw a knife on the floor and it landed and somebody the next day came and got injured That's what we're getting up to. It doesn't matter. If it's not through the act of throwing, it's not Koha Adam. Fact that it's on the floor, now we're going to determine. The same. That's, that's exactly this case, ultimately speaking. In that case, a person would be Hayat. person would be Hayat. The question is why? No, not existing. Common wind. Right, that's honest. That's out of your control. You, shouldn't have, you didn't need to foresee that. You're not responsible. Rather, it must be after it fell and rested on the ground. Now, says the Gemara, let's determine what the status is and what your circumstances. What were you really describing, Abaye? If the case is, and it might be the case, I left it on my roof, I probably didn't care that much about it, but it was in my possession. When it's on my roof, it's my possession, it belongs to me. Maybe once it fell down, or even when it was on my roof, I was mafkir it. Mafkir means I deemed it ownerless. 
Oh, well, if I deemed it ownerless, that's exactly, precisely, 100% the case of bor. Why is that not bor? Bor, after all, is a circumstance, a situation where I go into the shutarabim, go into a public area where the ground in the public area does not belong to me. It just doesn't. And I dig. And that's what's called a place, which is mufkar lakol. It's ownerless. And nonetheless, I'm obligated. It's a big chidush of the Torah, even though it's not your possession. The Gemara famously says in several places, there are two circumstances where something's not in your possession, but the Torah considers it like it's your possession. What are they? Hametz on Pesach and Bor Rabim. But the case then effectively is, when I dig in Rishut Rabim, I'm in a non-ownership land. It doesn't belong to me, and I'm nonetheless liable. Well, if it fell and I was mafkirit, clearly that's a case of bore. What's the difference? Because bore is dug in and this one's on top. Uh, so what? It's like saying that fire is uh, orange and yellow and these things are not. So what? Ultimately speaking, when I look at it a little less concrete and I look at it in terms of the effect of what it brings and how it damages, it's identical. If you were to mafkir, for a moment gloss over these next words until we remember. We saw these words already, but ben ben so the Gemara says, uh, leave Rav and Shemuel out for a second, although you might remember them from Daf Gimel, but for a moment, says the Gemara, if it were to be, again, the Afkirinu, that you were Mafkir, that you deemed those items ownerless, then the halakha would be that that is exactly the case of bor. Your liability for compensation, your responsibility for damages is bor. What's the difference? How can you distinguish between bor and this? It is in a non-ownerless, no-possession circumstance. I was mafkir. I dug in Rashut Rabim. It's shmiratan alecha. The Torah says it's my responsibility to safeguard it. Something gets damaged. I need to pay. So you can't argue as well that the Mishnah, when it told us Hatzad HaShaveh, which is telling us be inclusive of another case, was referring to this, was referring to when your possession falls down and you made it ownerless, that's exactly bor. Strike two. Ela de lo afkerinu. Rather, the case perhaps is de lo afkerinu. Here we arrive at uh, some, some starting to find some solid grounding. Maybe the case when the Mishnah told us Tzad HaShaveh, the common denominator of these avot, and from this derive other avot, is a circumstance, is a situation where it was avno, sakino, masaos, your possession, which you left, berosh hagag, v'nafilu, and they blew down, beruach mitzuya. They fall down, and in your mind, either explicitly or implicitly, I don't want to lose that, it's my uh, favorite uh, Swiss army knife. It's on the ground, and there it is, it's my uh, bundle, which I prepared for my camping trip tomorrow. It fell to the ground, and I have no intention to make it ownerless. It's still mine. Then something comes and damages itself on it. It trips on it. It slips on it. It gets hurt through it. What's the halacha? Maybe that's what the Mishnah was talking about. Says the Gemara, even that, far from simple. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, says the Gemara, that's a mahlok between Rav 
and Shimuel later on in our Masechet. Again, we referred to it already on Daf Gimal, but on Daf Kafchet, exactly this case is a mahlok, there's a dispute between Rav and Shimuel. According to Rav, that's a case called Shor. According to Shimuel, since it's not Arnulus, that's a case called Bor. The Gemara effectively then says to us, he's gotten the same trouble over here. Same trouble because you're telling me since I didn't deem it ownerless, well, it doesn't matter. According to Shimuel, it's still considered bore. According to Rav, so it's considered shor. But you're not finding a case which steps out of the bounds of regular avot nezikin. Uh, why does the Gemara parenthetically only mention Lishmuel da'amar kulam miboro la'man nuhainu bor? Why doesn't it mention as well Lirav de'amar kulam mishoro la'manu ha'inu bor? And throughout the Gemara, as we suggest different interpretations, every time it's only going to say it that way, Tosafot, you could take a look on Daf Gimalamud Bet at the top, quotes from Rashbam and interpretation to this. Uh, for, for, I'm going to say it very briefly, it's going to be hard to fully understand in the moment, but what Rashbam suggests is the fact that you're learning it from Shor according to Rav, that's already an anomaly. A Shor is a Baal Hayim, is something which has life. It might in turn be different than this situation where it's an inanimate, lifeless item which fell down, which means to say it wouldn't be a clear and clean comparison. Shor, which is when something's out in Rashut Rabim and damages through something else upon it, and so to my possession, which is in Rashut Rabim, when it's inanimate, you wouldn't be able to do that. You would distinguish between, you'd say that's Shor, which has a life source, and this doesn't have a life source. You'd, in turn, according to Rav, need to link it up with something like Bor. You'd need to say it's Bor plus Shor of Binyanav Mishinek Ketubim. That's take a look at Tosafot, that's what Tosafot suggests. But in our context of the Gemara, for the moment, we'll return to that and flesh it out further as we get this Gemara under our belts and understand it fully. For our purposes, the Gemara is still stuck. Those words at the end of the Mishnah, which seem to suggest to us there's another case, which if you're clever, if you're a sensitive reader and understander of how things work, you'll come up with a case. Well, what's the case? So far, everything you've mentioned to me is exactly one of those avot. Answers the Gemara, and here it is for Le'olam de Afkerinu. The case must be and is that it fell to the ground, is resting there, and I deemed it ownerless. I was mafkirit. Aha. But wait a second, you told me that's bor. Velodamule bor. However, nonetheless, your possessions which fell to the ground, they're not like bor. Bor has a severity to it that these don't. There's a reason to distinguish, unless I'm clever and make a binyanav mishinek ketubim, to say that bor is hayav, but these items, again, av no sakino masao, which fell to the ground, beruach metzuyah, wouldn't be liable. Male bor she'en koach acher me'urav bo, tomar bahaneh she'koach acher me'urav bahen. Your mind suggests that bor is more severe than these. Why would bor be more severe than these? Bor there is no other force affecting their damage. In the circumstance of bor, it's something which you dug into the ground, inanimate, in its place, not movable, not being moved by anything else. In that circumstance, you should realize, you should understand that this is a damaging, dangerous situation. Maybe you're more liable when there's no kohachen me'urav bo. As opposed to these items which were at the top of the roof. It's true, it got carried in a ruach metzuya, but ultimately speaking, the fact that it wasn't just your doing without another force, 
might deem it less severe, might say to you that in this circumstance where I left the items at the top of my roof, the wind blew them down, that's not exactly bore. Bore is, I dug it, it was in its place, you didn't need anything else to cause the damage. Over here, the fact that you needed something else to cause the damage, maybe that would make me not liable. Maybe I wouldn't need to pay in such a circumstance. Oh, so that, that's what we're up to then. Again, the Gemara's suggestion, Abaye's suggestion at this point then goes like this. Look at our Mishnah and understand the following situation. I left my items at the top of the roof. A wind, which is a common wind, comes and blows them down. I deem them ownerless. They're resting on the ground. You say to me, oh, that's bored. If it's ownerless on the ground, the public area, that's bored. No, no, it's not really bored. I'll tell you why it's not really bored, because you had wind. Wind pushed it down. Oh, where do we know a case where even though the wind was involved, you're still liable? Ish, right? Fire. Ish. So that's the Gemara. Ish tochiach. So now I'll say, now we're, now, now we're starting to understand the logic over here. We're linking up two of the avot. We're saying bor plus ish. Go ahead. Bor, but when did the person make it Because it's not a matter of, but the item's already in the street, and then it's tefkeh, and it's bor. I don't know that it should make a difference. Ultimately speaking, the damage was affected through another force being involved, and at the moment of damage, it was onerous. You're taking a step back and you say, oh, I can put it on the street, it's okay. Maybe the fact that it wasn't my pudding, like the fire, I'm less liable. And therefore, bore, I'm more liable. This case, I'm less liable. That's why I need ish. Why don't I just use ish? Says the Gemara, ish tochiach. Ish will prove to us that even though it wasn't entirely my action, it was another force which brought forth the damage, I'm nonetheless liable. Oh, so then I have a board plus, why do I need it? Why do I need board now? Why not say this is exactly ish? No, ish though is more severe. I'll tell you why. Ish is moving. These items are not moving. At the time of damage, they're resting in place. Maybe they shouldn't be obligated. You understand, if I try to compare this case of my items which fell off the roof and they're standing in place right now to bore, it's not a good comparison. I'll say they're less severe than bore. Why are they less severe than bore? Bore, I put it in place. I know it's a damage over here. They were moved by something else. Oh, but maybe something that moved by something else like ish. I'll say that, no, it's less severe than ish also because ish is always moving. Ish, by definition, it damages through the act of moving. This didn't damage through the act of moving. You know what else doesn't damage through the act of moving? Bor! And nonetheless, I'm liable. Which means to say the Gemara is suggesting a binyan av ketubim using ish and bor together to teach me about this case. I take a composite of the characteristics of bor and ish and I say in this situation when my possession was left at the top of the roof and it moved from wind down to the ground and in turn damaged when it was deemed ownerless by me, it's neither fully ish nor fully bor. It shares character traits of both of them. Don't tell me that the severity of bor is stronger than this because uh, ish will prove that it's not so. 
Don't tell me the severity of Ish was not like this, because Bor will prove that. That's what we say, the Hazar Hadin, the Hazar Hadin, period. The logic in turn returns, comes back, and the Halakha, as a result, the Gemara suggests, is Abaye teaches us through a composite, through a double, uh, a dual mode learning called a binyana of Mishneh Ketubim, Ish and Bor, I teach to this circumstance. I might say Ish is different because it's Darkol Hazik, it does it on the move, these don't do it on the move. I might say bor is different because there's no me'urav bo. Maybe if there's another force, the wind, it should be a patur. Each one of these cancel out the other and render me a case of it's where my possession was left at the top of the roof and a wind, common wind, pushes them down. I made them ownerless that I'm hayav. Before we move on to the other suggestions in the Gemara, there is a question over here, and the question goes as follows. Once I am deriving, as Abaye suggests I am, and the Mishnah suggested I should, once I'm deriving a law, a mazi, uh, uh, one of the Nizikim, from two of the Avot, how does the outcome of that law work? What I mean by that is, we spend time here on Dafhe Amud Bet explaining that each one of the Avot has their, well, Alan's not here, but has their nuances, has their quirks, has their situations where they're not liable. For example, you, you might recall, we saw over there, Ish. Remember, Ish is patur if it's tamun, if it's hidden. If it's not exposed, it's patur from Nizikin. Would you say this case is going to be patur from Nizikin if it's tamun? In other words, does it share the character trait of ish in that respect? No, the item fell to the ground. What if it got covered up? My knife fell to the ground and it got covered up. And then it damages. Now, in, I take that back. What if, yes, good, good point. What if the item that it damages is not exposed? Uh, would it be patur in such a circumstance? Alternatively, in bor. Bor, the Gemara said, maybe is only liable if an animal gets damaged in it. Not if a human being gets damaged on it. Not if an uh, object gets damaged on it. Would you say this case as well is exempt in such a circumstance? Do you understand the question? In other words, once I'm learning from to avot, now, if this was exactly a case of bor, if it's exactly a case of bor, I said it has identical laws to bor. Bor, the Torah says shor or hamor, means only if an animal gets damaged, not a person. But over here, it's not just bor, it's bor plus ish. Maybe that offsets, maybe ironically it'll make it more severe over here. Maybe I'll say that all the quirky nuances of the avot won't apply when I make a binyana of Mishneh Ketubim. That's the question, question of the Rishonim. This one's for you, Jesse. We're going to use the back of the Gemara very briefly. If you take a look at Rosh, Rosh Rabbeinu Asher, uh, it's a major commentary to the Gemara. Rosh has a storied history. He started in Ashkenaz in Germany, made his way to Spain during a time of difficult. His, his rabbi was incarcerated. He was nervous that similar circumstances would happen to him. And ultimately speaking, settling in Spain, he wrote uh, many commentaries that are very significant in terms of halakha to us. One of them being his Piske Harosh. Piske Harosh is found at the back of standard Gemarot. And therein he goes through the halakha aspects of each one of the sugyot. In Siman Aleph, that's on page one, it's the first commentary in the back of the Gemara. You turn to the back of the Gemara, first commentary, listen, after the Perusha 
Mishnayot of Harambam, which are very brief, but the first major commentary, you see it, Rosh Siman Aleph, right afterwards, you're in Rosh, that's it. Uh, so Rosh, in the left-hand column of the first page, um, and if you skip down just a few lines to where he quotes Hatzad HaShaveh, Mm, give me one second. Here we are. The Yeshmin had Gedolim. So if you skip two, four, six lines down to just five words onto the line, he writes the first word is Batar. He says, V'yeshmin had Gedolim Shekatvu. You see that? And then there's the Het with the half moon. Delo mechayev elama shechayev bishnehem uptirem miniske kelim. He quotes some of the Gedolim, some of the great ones, suggest exactly as we had just discussed in the Gemara, that maybe since it's being derived, this case where the items fell, are being derived from Ish and Bor, we give to this case the kulot, the leniencies of those two cases. We say that the same way that by ish, you're patur, you're exempt when the item which is damaged is hidden, so too over here. And the same way by bor, if it damages a human being, you'd be patur. Ironically, my Swiss army knife fell to the floor. A human being steps on it, I'm not liable. This is just like bor. That's, that's a logical conclusion, in fact, it really utilizes a principle from Daf Kafein Masech Bavakama of Dayol Bamin Hadin Liyot Kenidon, which we'll discuss when we get there. Rosh then cites that not everyone agrees. Vieshin is Tapekubadava. There are others who were uncertain about this matter. Doesn't explain why, but I think we all understand why. It might be that this binyan av mishneh ketubim created a new animal. It's an absolutely new reality. It's not bor plus esh any longer. It's a new halacha, which has full severity. Lastly, writes Rosh himself, v'linira de kol din bor yesh lahem. And he goes on to explain his opinion. Rosh maintains that this is neither ish plus plus bor nor bor with together with it. This is bor. I mean, and it does make a lot of sense that Rosh's claim. Rosh says, "I'm looking at an item resting out in Rishutarabim, which was deemed ownerless." I mean, I ask you, what is that? You say that's bor. I say no, but you have to take into account the way that it got there. I'll take into account the way that it got there. I'll add to it ish. I'll explain to ish as well. But fundamentally, when I look at this item, which is on the floor of my, uh, my suitcase, I was walking through the, by the way, that's maybe the best example. Walking through the, that's not a fit. I'm walking through the airport and I drop my suitcase. And I walk onto the fly, oh my goodness, my hand luggage I left there. You know, something mafkir. I'm not interested in it anymore. I didn't have expensive stuff anyway. Not going to find it after all, whatever. And then someone's uh, seeing eye dog who runs by, stumbles on it and hurts itself. Who's liable? Am I liable in such a circumstance? The suggestion over here of our Gemara is number one, you're high up. But the question of Rosh is, am I going to be high up only when the dog fell on it? What if a human being strips on it? Am I going to be... What? Bor, bor, bor is b'makom hefkeh. That's the whole point. 
Right? Bor is when I go into the Shuta Rabim and I dig something. It's, it's Mufkar Legamre. It is definition of Hefke. So the suggestion of Rosh is not like either of those first two opinions. First opinion, Rosh went all sides of the spectrum and he finds himself in the middle. One end of the spectrum is we give the Kulot, the leniencies of both Ish and Bor to this situation. So I left this item in Rashuta Rabim, uh, left this item and I was Mafkir. What's the Halakha going to be? Number one, I'm Patur for Tamun, for something that's hidden. And number two, I'm going to be patur for Adam and Kelim. I'm going to be patur if something else damages itself other than an animal. Uh, that was one extreme. That was Yeshmin Hagidolim. He says, Yeshin is other end of the spectrum. Through this binyana of Mishnei to be I created something entirely new. None of those kulot is going to be liable for penalty for, for compensation. Under all circumstances, Rosh finds himself in the middle. Rosh, his sevara, his logic is that this looks like a bore, seems like a bore, and it is a bore. You're going to have a question on it, though. What's your question going to be? But bore was placed there initially without anything causing it to come there. I gotcha. I accept, says Rosh. However, ultimately speaking, I'll need to use Ish to offset that question, but this is Bor. And as a result, my suitcase, which I left out in the airport and I was mafkirit, I'll only be Hayav, according to Rosh, if an animal trips on it. If a human trips on it, I'll be Patur. If someone else bumps their uh, stroller into it and it gets ruined, I'll be Patur as well. I'll have the exact and identical Halachot of Bor. Uh, that's the Gemara's suggestion with the interpretation of Rosh. The Gemara has several more suggestions. Let me remind you how we started the class and we'll finish it this way. The question was when the end of our Mishnah says, Hatsad The Mishnah says, I have four Avot Nezikin. And there's a common denominator. The Gemara says, That must be coming to tell us that I'll derive other laws from it. Abaye's suggestion was, again, it's Avno, Sakino, It's the case where the item fell down from my roof, Beruach Metsuya, and such a circumstance, uh, again, the, where I left my suitcase in the middle, it wasn't exactly that because I didn't have the question, but you know, whatever, that was, that was a real bore situation. But over here, it got moved in such a fashion, that's the halakha that we learned from it. Just quickly starting the next opinion over here, says the Gemara back on Daf Vav Amudalif, Rava Amar. Rava takes a different stab at this. He has a different suggestion. Now, he's not disagreeing with Abaye. Every one of these opinions seems to be, Rosh writes that even in his commentary, according to Reef, that everyone's agreeing with one another. We're just including more. We're making other suggestions, not different suggestions. Rava amar le'atuye bor hamit galgel beragle adam uberagle behema. So we're just going to define that and finish uh, for today. What's a bor hamit galgel? Well, the word galgal means something that rolls. Uh, how do you have a bore which rolls? That sounds like a uh, self-contradictory no. statement. Uh, it's uh, Rashi, a little bit more nuanced. Borohamit galgel. Look at the right-hand side, about ten, eight lines down from where we are. Kigon, for example, hiniach even berushut rabim. If a person left their uh, their uh, um, rock, their stone in berushut rabim, why do they have a stone of that sort? Mabarif. But they okay, they left their suitcase berushut rabim. Ubeodabim koma lohizika. The, the suitcase where I placed it, even though it was in a public area, I know this area. People don't walk by here. Uh, and if they do, they, they know where they're looking. They, they look where they're walking. It wouldn't be damaging anyone. But in leaving it there, people started walking by, and they didn't trip on it, but they kicked it. And they, not purposefully, 
Um, we'll deal with that. A good question, Jared. But I'm going with not purposefully. Tosafot Rashi. What's that? No, no, no ruach over here. No ruach. People's feet moved it. It wasn't on my Roshagag. It was Bereshut. Uh, not so fast. It was Nitkal. No. Uh, well, we'll have to figure that out. Um, okay, well, it's a good question, both of you. It links in with, with Jared's question, but and it damages there, which means to say in the initial place where it was, sounds very similar to Abaye's case where I had the items at the top of the roof and fell beruach. But over here, instead of beruach, it happened from human being or animal's feet, which pushed it to a place where in that place, it could, would, and did damage. All right, we'll have to fill out the details in terms of sounds. Just sounds. Get, get, well, I'll, I'll, I'll time in. I'll time in on Monday. We'll go through this. A great question. Baruch Amen. Ve Amen.